0: That was a primary aspect of my life. Like it was extremely likely that I would go down that kind of trajectory because that's exactly what I wanted to do. How that played out, well, I mean, here, here I am. It played out in a way that I don't know how it played out in comparison to the original review. I don't, I don't have full access to it, but, but we're all doing something like that. We're all nudging the probabilities all the time, not just with our choices and our thoughts, but with our intent, our very expectation actually is constantly nudging how things will unfold. And we're very powerful creative beings. Consciousness is first, the physical is subsequent to consciousness. So what goes on in our own minds and hearts is actually very important. <laughs> that's why, that's why shows like this and spending time like this, where we're engaging new ideas and, and where we're trying to basically realize and feel again that deep love that actually is real yeah. and actually exists for us. When we do that, when we touch into that. It's actually part of the solution (laughs) it doesn't you may not see an an immediate physical effect but just that resonance just the resonance between individuals focusing on that love or facing their own fear or getting or getting past ignorance that's some kind of ignorance that's held them up their whole life some some how our own journeys that happen internally that is a part of the ultimate way to heal our world ultimate solution consciousness is first yeah the physical stuff will happen second you got to accentuate the positive Whoa! I feel good
1: A little bit of feel good goes a long way You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive Showing you a way to a better life
0: Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want
1: hello and welcome to another show accentuating the positive with karen swain as always such a blessing to be with you all today and please remember if you're liking the shows to hit that subscribe button and the bell button if you're listening on youtube and i have started uploading some of my videos to other platforms just a you know a bit of variety um odyssey i'm checking out odyssey i'm checking out quite a few different uh, streaming platforms so i'd like to introduce you to the gorgeous Christian Sundberg, welcome to the show, Christian.
0: Thank you, Karen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends, followers, listeners, Gloria sent me an email to. Um, I don't know if she she was the first time. Uh, yes, yeah, she might have been. Sent me an email and said, "Check out, check out, Christian." That was like back in April. And it's so funny, when I saw you, I had seen you come up on YouTube so many times in the side videos. And I thought I was looking at what's the guy's name? Edward Snowden.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have not heard that comparison before.
1: (laughs) Really? Has anyone ever said that to you? Your face came up, and I kept thinking that it was an Edward Snowden video, because it just kept coming up. I think the universe was trying to say to me, check out this guy, check out. And I just dismissed it thinking, oh, it's Edward Snowden. And then When Gloria sent me your uh, video, I looked at you and went, oh, my God, that's the guy that keeps coming up on YouTube. So there you go. Let me tell people a little bit about, Christian, you've been doing a lot of uh, shows of late, haven't you? Yes. (laughs) And you're probably over repeating your story over and over again.
0: Oh, it's okay. It's it's an important story. (laughs) It's very personal, but it's important to share.
1: It is an important story and hopefully we'll speak about other things that other shows haven't. But when Christian was a young child, he remembered his existence before coming to Earth. While that memory left him completely at around six years old and for most of his early adult life, it spontaneously returned when he was around 30 as uh, he took up a meditation practice and went through a personal awakening journey. It was around this time he also began to remember his out-of-body experiences Can you do those deliberately? Can you deliberately have out-of-body experiences, like sit on the couch and just, no?
0: No, I can't. But they happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, and you started remembering them. I think that we all have them all the time, but we just have no memory of them. But at this point, when your memories came back about who you were before you came to Earth, you were also starting to remember what you're doing when you're out of body.
0: Yeah, I began to have yeah, conscious out of body experiences that were very eye opening and shocking. That, that that actually began to happen, I think, first, and that was very worldview altering <laughs> at the time. Wow! And so as I as that was happening, I began to have these memories return. You know, they were all they were all like always there, they were just unco- like being uncovered, and yeah. I was like, how did I ever forget that? <laughs> it's the most natural thing in the world, but they had been veiled, of course, which is quite natural while we're on Earth
1: yeah it's amazing how much information we are storing in our subconscious that we're not consciously aware of so much anyway you've written a book called a walk in the physical which attempts to succinctly describe the larger spiritual context in which we exist and the importance of love in our human journey and you've worked as a project manager for complex nuclear pump and valve manufacturing projects so what did that entail? You've been pretty sort of left brain oriented work. Was it in yeah. man, manufacturing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for 16 years, I worked for a manufacturing company. We manufactured valves and pumps that went into the power industry. Uh, for 14 of those years, I was a project manager for the complex uh, projects, the nuclear, nuclear valve and pump projects. Um, some were design projects. Uh, most were, uh, you know, manufacture engineer to order, than manufacturing projects. And yeah, it was quite an interesting career, definitely different than this type of material. But actually, <laughs> I think it was helpful because, you know, I was able to use the left brain, as it were, to such an extent that I think that really helped in being able to create a framework for the content in the book, uh, which, of course, can't be <laughs> it can't be put into a framework. There's just there's just no way. Um, but I'm—I I do feel called to try to, uh, you know, create a framework, create a context that is helpful, for, hopefully helpful for people to, um, you know, understand the place of the human experience within the larger context.
1: It's imperative that we understand that at this time on planet Earth. It's imperative that people start remembering and waking up to the truth of who they are. Uh, We can't go on with the forgetting, and you know what's going on on our planet right now. Well, to finish your bio, it says today Christian speaks publicly about his memories as he wishes to remind others of who we truly are beneath the human play. And uh, he was just sharing. Christian was just sharing with me that you're you're no longer doing your corporate job, so you're in between jobs at the moment. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. And we'll yet, see where it leads. <laughs>
1: well, I was just thinking uh we you know, we had a bit of discussion online about how many times you've shared your story. So is there any coincidence that so many people have been interested in your story? It's like you put it out online and it just exploded, didn't it? Like people yeah, are just it like really, it
0: really did. Right. yeah no, I'm very humbled. I uh you know, I'm just a normal guy and I don't feel like I have ai I'm, I'm not special. We all have this incredibly rich context. And, um, you know, I've been able to share it and I've been absolutely amazed at the response of this, sharing this very personal story. You know, when I first shared it, I thought like, well, oh, five people will hear this and that'll be great. <laughs> you know, at least I can, I can get, I can let it out <laughs> because I felt for seven or eight years, I didn't share this at all. I felt like it wasn't the right time. So when I first shared it, I was like, okay, you know, I said it, it's, it's, it's out there now, but I have met so many amazing people. There are so many people out there who have similar experiences and. And, you know, we just live in a world that, well, we live in a a society in which it's difficult sometimes to share these types of experiences in a way without sounding crazy, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, And so I've been just very blessed to meet so many amazing people. I mean, every day I'm meeting just really, really amazing people. There's so many just very uh, loving, evolved (laughs) people out in the world. And it's just such a great blessing to connect with them.
1: Isn't that beautiful that there are so many loving evolved people in the world? It is.
0: I think we think the world is like dark and terrible all the time because like right. the news tends to, you know, our mainstream media tends mm-hmm. to focus on the negative, but mm-hmm. there's so much goodness out in the world. Right. <laughs> there really is. And there's
1: so many incredible people. You know, I've been doing this show for like 12 years, but I've been showcasing new old teachers for about 25 years. There are so many incredible people on this planet. It's just awesome. I want to say something to you we need teachers that don't feel like they're special let me tell you we need teachers that feel like they're like everybody else i mean the world needs teachers like that 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 you know that don't think i'm any special than you because none of them i mean jesus said the same thing all of you can do as i've done you know i'm not special i'm just teaching you what's possible we need teachers like that that don't say hey i'm special there's too many teachers in the world that you know, will tell you that they're special. They have thousands and thousands of followers. Yeah, we need teachers like you, Christian. The, really the real do.
0: teacher is the spirit that is within you. You don't, you right. don't really need it. You don't really need an external person. <laughs> meanwhile, right. meanwhile, we're all just out here in the woods together. <laughs> you know, we're out in the wilderness in the weeds, and that's it. We're just all in the weeds together. There's not like, uh, I mean, we're all just here to help each other if we can. But the true teacher is within. You know, I, I like to try to just constantly remind people that you, you are your own <laughs> authority. You're your own power Absolutely. within. And, and, yeah.
1: Well, that's what a teacher is, somebody that reminds others that they too are the teacher uh, or that they have access to their own teacher. But, yeah, the teacher is the spirit within. But the teacher, uh, that, that wisdom has to flow through a mind-body, you know, personality complex in order yeah. to be expressed in the world. And uh, to finish your bio... <laughs> a walk in the is your website okay let's get into your story because it's just amazing and i know you've told it a million times and this will be a million and one <laughs> so no uh, so where do you want to start what happened yeah
0: i'll just i guess i'll just dive right in and please do feel free to interrupt if you'd like and ask any questions so before i begin to describe this i have to just say that these things are not speakable There's no language that can possibly articulate our higher natures or the nature of the higher realms from which we come because our true nature transcends duality. It transcends the limited context of earth. And so our language is based on our local context. You know, it's the symbols and forms of earth. So there's just no symbols and forms, no words I can throw at you that will (laughs) possibly even remotely touch the richness, and the complexity, and the beauty of what we really are. Um, So I just have to say that up front. (laughs) So it's it's not possible to take any of this literally, and I just, you know, it's important to know. Okay, so I remember a very, very long time ago, before I had ever been physical, coming across a being who had been physical, and I was deeply inspired by this being, because I could feel from him the quality of his, his essence, his nature, who he really was. It was like, because there, there's like a telepathic exchange between individuals. It's not just language. You can actually feel that you're, you're part of them and they're part of you. So you can feel what they feel and who they are. And I asked this being, my goodness, like, <laughs> look, look what you are. How did you, what did you do to become this? Like, what could you possibly have done or known or experience to be this. And he shared with me telepathically that he had been physical. He had lived physical lives. And he shared one in particular in which he had been, uh, he had suffered from some kind of physical ailment or pain. And this pain lasted for a very long time in his experience. And the way with which he chose to meet his experience allowed a certain refinement of who he was. It allowed allowed a beautiful, uh, refinement is the best word I can think of, a a, uh, just a quality of his essence that was empowered and deepened by his knowing this experience and, and, and by how he chose to meet it. And I said, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do that. I am going to do that. I was super just like deeply inspired, like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I want to do that. And he said something to the effect of, and, you know, it's just kind of not negative or just kind of playful, like, yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> it's hard in a way you don't know. And I said, no, I, I mean it. I want to do that. And he said, well, go talk to your guides. So uh, so I did. And I lived many times and uh, many physical experiences. And I went and found him later and shared with him that I was in the process of doing this. And he was encouraging. Okay. So the majority of my pre-birth experience memories of a time somewhat immediately preceding this life where I had taken a long break, I, I had... I had done, I had many physical experiences and I was in a state where I was resting and this guide kept coming to me and asking, are you ready to go back yet? Are you ready to go back yet? <laughs> like every once in a while, just keep pinging me, pinging me and putting him off for a while and saying, no, I'm not ready. Yet. I'm not ready. Yet. I'm not doing it yet. And then eventually saying, okay, I'm ready. And when he came to me, then I remember reviewing what I can only describe as like my state, my nature, who I was. And what I like, what qualities I knew—I um, don't want to use the word "developed," um, but it's kind of like the, the development of qualities. It's like the knowing, the experiential growth into certain qualities and knowing of certain like uh, types of experience. And I, when I reviewed this with him, it was very obvious the thing that I needed to do, the thing I needed to work on, so to speak. I don't like the words "work on," but it, it was clear the type of thing that I needed to engage. And it was this very, very, very low vibration fear that had completely vested me and overcome me in a past physical experience. And when I saw it, it was like, oh yeah, (laughs) it was very obvious. It's like, I got to do something about that. So, okay. So I, but I knew even then that the depth of this fear was so extreme that I I it was it, I knew it would be daunting to be able to meet an experience of this very very low vibration and to integrate it you know to really come to terms with it and heal it and uh, and you know meet it fully I knew that would be extremely difficult so I asked is it even possible you know is it even possible within all that is has anybody in, has any being in creation ever done something like this met a fear this low you know come to, and the guide sharing yes yes and you have all time available to you to, to, you to do so. There's no hurry. And I just knew from that state of being, well, if it can be done, I will do it. <laughs> like, And from a human standpoint, it doesn't feel quite like that to me now because I, I know right now the challenges of being human and the, the pains we can have. But at the time I, I knew what, what we are, what we, what we all are and the true strength and immortality and power of the spirit. And, and, The fact that there's nothing to fear. And I said, well, if it can be done, I I will do it. So they brought me a life that was a physical life that was very perfect, very appropriate for this intention. And I reviewed that life and I accepted that life. And that life was not this life as Christian. It was just before this one. And I remember accepting the veil. And this is the thing that is most in the forefront of my mind, this experience of um it's very hard to explain it's like having your true nature obscured from you and diving down from a place of all connectedness and knowing down 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 super low into a place that's that feels separate and there's no knowing and it's like being super dense and super um like 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 empty almost like going to a vacuum of space where there's just no heat you know but i like to describe it like a like an amplifier that produces a sound pitch i think this is like the best metaphor it's like you know you're you're in a very high vibration your being is connected to all things like and then you turn the knob when it goes down and then when it gets to the bottom you turn it down more and then you turn it down some more and more and more and they keep turning down more and more and more more (laughs) more that's what it felt like the plummet down 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 lower, lower 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 all the way into the the vantage point of being human. And so then I was there and I was only there for a very short time. I was in the womb. I had not been born yet. I was experiencing being a body in a womb and I said, I'm not doing this. This is so dark. This is so low vibration. I don't know. I lost everything that I am. I'm not doing this. (laughs) So I mustered my might, my strength, and I smoked the veil, I fought my way out, I pushed my way back past it. And I succeeded in doing that, but I became immediately aware that I had killed the fetus that was to be mine. I had, I had inadvertently ended the life and I had a life review for my very, very short life. I don't know how long I was there, but even in that very short amount of time, I, I had made an impact. And I became aware of how I had made the mother's journey more difficult because I had heaped grief upon her. And I saw, like, like ripples in a pond away from the mother, hundreds of degrees, like hundreds of other people in all these degrees out from the mother that would also be negatively impacted because of my fear, like right at the beginning. And so, from that side, I knew nothing was wrong, you know, because from that side, you can tell it's okay. It's just a play, everything's fine. <laughs> There's not really a problem, it's just something we come to experience. But I could see very, like, almost objectively, like, oh, man, I got a lot of fear. I got to do something about it. <laughs> this is not, that was not what I wanted to do. I had all these great intentions. You know, I went with all this, all these really complex, wonderful intentions, but I had um, wasted that opportunity. So I spent some time in a room that I call, I'm just calling, this is just a term, like a veil acceptance simulator is a place to go where you can practice surrendering to the veil so that you're you can do it without reacting the way that i did you know like basically it's like kind of being dunked under deep water in like a deep pool and being plunged under the water and seeing how long you can hold your breath so to speak but you can cry uncle and if you want out you just raise your hand or something and not not literally raise your hand you just you call out and they can let you out (laughs) because it's just a simulator um well i can tell you that the real thing is more difficult than the simulator (laughs) i remember that because i was there for a while and then eventually they brought me this life. Okay, so this life was very good. It was, it was good enough, but it was not as perfect as the other one would have been. The other one was a really, really optimal match uh, for what I wanted to experience. And the circumstances and the biology of that life were more appropriate for who I am as a, as a soul. Um, whereas this life, it was less perfect, but it, it was good. And so I remember reviewing this life in an incredible detail. Uh, it was like if you laid a tree on its side and reviewed, it was like reviewing a flowchart with millions and millions of possibilities of what may happen in this life and what it may be like to experience doing this in this life, being, being this, this person Christian. And you know, there, were, there were events in there, but it was primarily about what would it be like to be me in all of these different experiences and all these different possible avenues that life might take me. And I knew that it was very likely that in my 20s, my early 20s, I would experience a trauma that would likely crush me (laughs) and allow me to re-experience this deep fear that I wished to re-engage and heal. And I also knew many other aspects of the life. I knew that, um, like for instance, I knew my parents were very important. I knew that my father would instill confidence in me and that that confidence would be paramount to me having the, like a rock to stand on to meet this fear. And I knew that it would be meaningful for me to be male just because the male energy in this case would be helpful for me. And I remember asking some questions. Like I asked, um, is it okay if I be intelligent this time? Because I knew that. Well, it wasn't so much, is it okay if I be intelligent? It was more like, I want to be intelligent because I knew that I had been intelligent in other experiences and I appreciated that. I liked that. And they said, yes, you can do that. And I also asked, I said, you know, I don't, I don't want to forget everything this time. I just want to remember a small, tiny little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. And they said, yes, you can do that, but that will make the life more difficult. And I knew why. It was because the contrast Of this life is even greater when it's known in relation to where we come from because there is such a high vibration and so wonderful that being on earth can be exceptionally painful to have some glimpse of that it's one of the one of the functions of the veil then is to protect us (laughs) like make sure that we don't get so homesick (laughs) that we can't do anything else um but anyway so i but i knew that even that contrast of having that awareness and feeling that extra contrast, I knew that even that. Oh, and the sensitivity that would go along with it. I knew that I would have to be very sensitive. I knew that even that contrast, like all contrast, was an opportunity for growth. And so, I was very excited. I said, "Yes, I'll do it." And excitement is the like the key emotion. Like it was just such an exciting process. I just can't express enough how exciting it, it, it is. And what was and is, I say is because it feels like the memory is not just in the past, it's kind of like right now, it's like a living thing. How exciting it is to be human. And also, what an incredibly precious opportunity it is because there's only so many slots, <laughs> there's only so many chances to be a human. And Earth is such a precious place. And so, to be given the chance to be human, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like being given the most precious gift in the world, like this great honor. So, I was very excited. Okay, so then I remember being in this area. So I remember there having to be a moment to say yes to the life. And I don't remember that moment, but I remember then being in a waiting area. And then there's the guide coming to me and like grabbing my attention, like go now, like right now, now's the time now. <laughs> like almost rude, like kind of like, like a slap, like you gotta go now. And then being with these beings in this room that I can only describe as like a... Um, it's really hard to explain it was like a room with a huge shaft like it felt like a pit like a shaft and below somewhere below not physically but somewhere below was the earth and these beings that were there i can only describe as technicians or tinkerers they were very mechanical in nature and they work with consciousness and so they're like mechanical with how consciousness can with like consciousness technology or something i don't know how to explain it and they do this thing where they take the the veil and they organically fit it to you. So like the so like the body and and the, the circumstances and then the qualities of your soul and who you are and they do this thing where they make it all they make it all fit. So then I was there and they asked me one last time, are you sure? Because I knew once I said yes, I was in for the ride. <laughs> it was like you're in, once you say yes, you're in the roller coaster. There's no getting off the roller coaster. You're in for the ride. And I said, yes. And then I remember this plummet as the veil came over me again. Down, 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 like, like I described before. Lower, 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 my knowing being cut off, my connectedness to all things disappearing, feeling the quality of who I was, like vanishing almost to, to a, the place of like nothing. <laughs> the place of just this very dense, dark, restricted space And I so then when I was there, I just, basically this time, I just tried not to fight it because I knew that last time I had fought it I inadvertently ended it prematurely. So I just focused on not struggling, not fighting against what was happening. And I let it take hold of me. And then I sent one signal back to the technicians. Did it take, like did the veil take? And they sent one back, one message back, yes. And so I knew I was here. So I was super excited. I was like, oh, I made it. I'm here. This is awesome. Okay. So then I was there for a while. And then I was like, you know what? I am not doing this. This is so dark. This is so low vibration. I am not tolerating this. This is ridiculous. (laughs) What am I doing? So once again, I began to summon my might to fight my way (sighs) out. And this very holy moment happened for me. the great spirit of God, or whatever whatever word we want to use, source, the great I am of all things came to me, and showed me the stars and the universe, and I felt all of it within me, and I felt this churning symphony of bliss within me, and I felt the sun, our sun, like churning, and just the, the love and the beauty of it, and I felt so connected, and I knew that I was still that. And and God said to me, this is still what you are. You can never not be this. (sighs) That memory is the most holy moment for me, because that's what we really are. We are that. And I was like, oh, that's still what I am. Oh, oh, that's wonderful. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So that called me and I was able to let go and just and just be in the womb. And uh, and I was okay, <laughs> because then I knew it was okay. And I was like, there wasn't really a big problem. <laughs> so then the next memory I have is of being born. I remember the the shock of being born, physical shock, temperature, you know, the cold, the touching, the, the sounds, but I had no understanding. I didn't know what was going on. It was just this very extreme experience of suddenly being here. <laughs> And I remember the nurses there, like touching me and doing things to me. And I remember looking at them and being like, oh my gosh, who are these wonderful beings who are taking care of me? Like, I didn't know anything. Like I had no understanding. I just knew there was something happening and I had love for those beings. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I I felt such intense curiosity. I remember just looking around and being like, "What is it this? (laughs) And um, I only have one visual image memory that's, like of the room. I remember where my mother was in the bed and where the heating grate was in the window. And I know that they say that babies can't see a room, but I, I remember this one visual image quite well. So I don't know how that is, but I remember that. And I eventually drew the room for my mother when I got older and you know, she confirmed that's right. That's, <laughs> that's where I was, that's where the bed was, that's where the doctor was. So then as I got older, I used to um, cheat a little and draw upon this memory up until the age of like four and five. By the age of six, I, I had no memory of this at all. But early on, I remember, um, especially before the ages of four and five, like trying to look at the flowchart memory to see what was going to happen, uh, you know, to like kind of cheat and like just simple things like, oh, who's going to come over to the house tomorrow? Or what are we going to do today? You know, just like very simple questions, just asking for just So I knew what to expect. And that, that ability diminished you know, as I got older. And I also remember feeling very strongly that certain qualities of the other reality ship would be true here. Like for instance, I imagined, I assumed that everybody would be able to feel each other's emotions here because that's very normal in other systems <laughs> that we can just share who we are, share our feelings. And uh, that, that's not how it works on earth. <laughs> um, I also assumed that people who were in positions of authority or, um, you know, positions of, I don't know, teaching, would be loving and wise. And, um, you know, because that's how it is in other systems of beings who are in positions of leadership or, or teaching or, or guide, you know, guides are loving and wise. That's not always the case on earth. <laughs> we, we sometimes have leaders who are not so loving and wise. So that memory left me completely by the age of five or six. And then I had no memory of that at all until the age of 30. My body is 41 right now. And like I mentioned, when when it began to return to me, it was the most matter of fact, natural thing in the whole world. Like, of course, <laughs> of course, this is what happened. Like, and it wasn't like a big aha. It was just like, oh, yeah, why did I forget that? <laughs> you know, it was just like always oh, there, but some leaves had covered it up or something. That was you know. Um, so I didn't share it for the first seven or eight years. I did share it a few years ago for the first time. And, and like we talked about already, the response has been amazing. There's a lot of people out there who actually have similar memories. And it's, I love connecting with those people because I feel like there's this, um, there's a really cool energetic link and bridge that is formed when we can meet here in the physical and still have like a bit of a, like when we touch that higher vibration, that higher place and then touch here there's like, like a circuit almost made uh, that's very powerful. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a, that's a, that's a summary.
1: I have so many questions. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I wanted to get the story. Look, I remember listening to you back in April, and the thing that's – I mean, all of it stuck, but the, the, the thing that stuck is I thought that the, the leaders of our world would be loving and wise and that's not what I experienced and I remember that that stayed in my mind and I kept thinking about that and like who said that who said that and then when I was revisiting you last night I'm like oh it was Christian that said that that statement stayed in my mind that the leaders of our world would be loving and kind and like Go figure that the leaders of our world are so not loving. Well, we're just it's, and wise. it's just that
0: we're veiled, yeah, and it's pretty natural here because we are in an in, in an extreme state of separation by comparison.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not true separation, but the separate the experience of separation is so deep that there's so much fear and ego that rises from so much ego that rises from fear and so much fear because the constraint is so high that our way of interacting with each other is yet. Um, We have a long way to go to fully Mm -hmm. actualize our true loving nature. It's with each other. So we live in a society that like our true, our two real things that we have going just at a high level, we've got fear Two real, I can say problems, but they're not really problems But the two, the two hindrances to why we don't have a society that is fully functioning with all love and wisdom as the priority is one fear. We all have so much fear. We're making choices based on ego every day. And the other is ignorance just that we don't remember, you know, we just, we, we grab onto all sorts of things and claim knowledge, and you know, and then go and do all sorts. Of, you know, we, we then we use our fear, and we don't use that responsibly. So when you take this to such a degree, where our entire in our entire society, where we can barely even talk to each other, you know, we can't even communicate. Take so much effort just to talk. You, know, you take that whole context. It's no wonder that <laughs> you know we have a we we can at times have an inefficient society.
1: Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to go back to the beginning.
0: Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> do you have memory, you probably don't, of where you were before you had physical earth lives? Like, you know, when you said you met the being, uh, yeah. do you remember what experiences you'd had up until that point? I mean, okay. we're talking so linearly, the, and it's not linear, but look.
0: Yeah, it's not linear. Um, okay, so the only memory I have is that memory where I was in mm-hmm. a Okay, so it was like, ugh, the words are so vastly vastly insufficient. It was like traveling across a green, beautiful landscape. though it wasn't you know, like an earth landscape. It was like traveling across a landscape with many, many other souls. And we were all participating in one joint activity. We had one shared purpose. And this very evolved being was doing the same thing we were. We were going in the same direction. And I don't remember, you know, how I can't even tell you what that was, but we had some shared intention that we were moving towards. That was, I mean, I mean, okay, so on the other side, there's so much activity that is rooted purely in love and creativity and joy, just like joy. So there's so many ways that we examine that and express that and play with it and use form which like this world is a world of extreme, extremely dense form, form just means objects and things and energies. We we do all sorts of activities that involve the use of form ultimately for the purposes of love and joy. Um, So I don't know exactly what we were doing, but it was some shared activity where this being was with us. And I was like, (gasps) like, what? Wow, do you feel how I feel you feel? That was how it started. It was like, I felt so much joy coming from this being and he shared with me that he did
1: yeah so was he in form were you in some sort of you know as as, as i try to visualize this because i'm in yeah. a human form i'm thinking oh you all look like humans but you probably weren't human no, at all you, um, you, you, at you were time, like points of light
0: at the time i perceived my own body for lack of a better word and the bodies of others as light as light as light uh, mm-hmm. like like living uh living bodies of light
1: right Yeah, yeah. So it was like you're kind of these energy orb type things, and but you understand that you're separate and one at the same time. But his energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're not separate. It's more like you're individuated and one. Individuated, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not. You're not. There's no separation. But yeah. um, But when okay, so like you make you just mentioned an orb. So what we tend to do on Earth is we tend to take the objects that we've learned on Earth and we try to understand everything from the from the from the perspective, perspective. of those objects. Right. <laughs> that's all we remember. Right. So we think of things like, okay, what's one thing that I know that I can associate with it? An orb, you know, a circle. That's that's okay. <laughs> you know, that's what we do as humans. But that's why these things are so difficult to express because it's not. It's not like that. It's also like the land, you're connected to the land too. I say the land, you're connected yeah. to the environment. Environment and you. to each other too. And you feel it and you know it. And it's a part of you, and you're a part of them. And it's all mm. alive and, and full of um, energy and like the light itself is alive. It's very hard to explain. Mm. And, and there's not just one place either. You know, we like to think of the other side like on earth, we think there's earth, and then there's the other side. Mm-hmm. Well, no, there's actually many, 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 many reality systems all with their own constraints, their own rule set, Mm -hmm. you know, with how we engage them, what we experience. Mm -hmm. So I I can't possibly from here, I don't know how to relate that experience to everything else. I, I simply don't have any ability to do that.
1: I know it's um, mind boggling to think of, really. It's absolutely mind boggling, but we won't get too stuck on that. I could talk about that for about two hours. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I could. But, Sids, I was just thinking of, uh, you know, I had this beautiful woman, uh, Naya uh, Yvonne Ballard, who was uh, author for one of my books, who's just left her body recently, had the most extensive NDE experience. And, you know, she said that often what happened to you often happens and where souls kind of go no can't do this (laughs) and they exit the body either (laughs) either in utero or when they're young babies and we call that sids often you know that that sudden infant death syndrome and i've often
0: wondered about that question i have i haven't really heard that said many times so that's interesting that someone else is making that comment It stands to reason for me, right? (laughs) you know, because I can't be the only one with a lot of fear. (laughs) So it stands to reason that because of the extreme nature of the separation that we experience on earth, it's so alien, it stands to reason to me that others might react in a similar way.
1: Yeah, this is a really hard world. Uh, and and coming here takes a brave, like takes a courageous. Again, I'm speaking in human terms, but that's, yeah. you know, what yeah. are you going to do? <laughs> that's what Take, we got. That's what that's we got to work with. Takes a courageous soul. Uh, uh, and some kind of go, uh, no, nah, can't do it. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, can't do it. I remember listening to another woman who'd had a few NDEs and she had memory of uh, chatting to her guides too. And she said that. In this life, she was I think she was in her fifties at the time she was speaking. It was in an irons thing I watched online and she had died as a child pretty much with throughout all her lives because she just kind of reached a point where she went, Nah, too hard. I'm out of here And yeah. you know, there was just like trying to keep her in her body so that she could actually live a some sort of length inside the physical form. And I, actually... I
0: completely relate to that. That's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can definitely see that happening.
1: And what's so fascinating with what you say is you know the more memory you have the more you experience the contrast and the harder it is so the veil actually serves us in not remembering who we are serves us in anchoring us to this physical world and all that we experience as a physical being and loving that you know loving that we don't remember loving that where we feel separated and yeah and finding- and it's
0: not, yeah, it's not just that it's harder. I mean, it's also incredibly liberating too. Mm. Uh, I don't mean to pigeonhole, you know, the that I don't, want to, I don't want to draw a direct correlation that less fail always equals more pain. That's not really, because the thing is we're not actually, like we're experiencing being veiled, but we're not actually here all the way. We actually exist on the other side right now. <laughs> so it's not like you're stuck here. I, mean, I just want to highlight that because it's not, like, it's not like you should avoid it necessarily trying to find out who you are. Experiencing who we really are is an incredible joy, an incredible liberation. Uh, but yeah, it does serve a great purpose to help us stay completely grounded, rooted, and focused within the human personality's perspective. Because that is the value. You know, that's where the value lies is being Karen, <laughs> you know, being whoever you are today. Getting up in the morning and eating your breakfast and going to, going to work and you know whatever going to the bathroom, you know that doing that from your human perspective is valuable.
1: It's valuable, yeah, yeah. What uh, was something? Else? Anyway, i lost train of thought. When, when we enter the body, so as you speak about your experience, you're entering the body in utero, and yet some souls elect to like skip the utero process and they enter the body when the baby's born you know like there's a variety Mm -hmm. of ways that we can enter this world right there's it's i think that as i'm listening to your story i'm chatting to my mob and i'm thinking i guess it depends on the experience of the soul when they're going to enter the body if you're kind of old hand at this you can come in and out at will like enter you can experience utero or not What do you think
0: about that? Both both the experience and the soul of the soul and the qualities and nature of the soul. And also, it's not that you're going into a fundamentally real object called a body. Uh, It's more like uh, reaching a vibrational place in which you now engage from that body's perspective, something like that. Yeah. Like logging into a video game, maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the video game. When games, you log into a
0: video game, you don't have to crawl into a body. You just log on.
1: Right. And it's so, like it's so real at the time you're playing it that you forget that you're not it. Like, yeah, yeah, that, that you're not it. Um, and,
0: and the more that we associate with the content of the video game character, the story, the ideas, the thoughts, the more we do that, the thicker the veil is, under, is felt. Right. So, like little children, don't they're not deeply associated with it yet. So they can right. come and go a lot easier. <laughs> right. They see things that we don't see. They get, they go out of bonding come back, no big deal. Whereas us, oh, I got to pay the bills and I got to go to work and I have pain and you know this person made fun of me and, and you know all the things that's constantly cycling. Those lower vibrational associations tend to make the veil feel very thick.
1: Right which is the um, crux of enlightenment really it's what i teach constantly that when you identify with your human personality body mind complex you suffer but when you identify with spirit having an experience i'm not this i'm not my thoughts i'm not my body i'm not my personality i'm not my experiences and you can you can don that witness. Like you're like, yeah. you're watching, you know, you don't suffer. You can actually enjoy the pain. You can, you can yeah, enjoy absolutely. the suffering. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a beautiful. I want to, I want to help add onto that by saying that if that is not a process of disassociation. I can feel some listeners saying, so I'm supposed to focus on the fact I'm not my body. It's not that you're creating a new division. It's more that you, um, so I, okay, this is the word meditation. <laughs> this is what this word comes up. It means spending time with moving your awareness back towards itself routinely so that you gain familiarity with that awareness. And, so, and it means then that the thoughts will be less, uh, they won't, they're, they don't have the same oomph. <laughs> And so it actually is experientially you move in that direction. Like you actually become more, you you actually become much more alert and much more aware of everything, all the, all the pain, all the pleasure. It is an opening. It is an acceptance of knowing all that is actually here, not a rejection or a division or a new, um, you know, like a new boundary. (laughs) I'm just pointing that out. I think it's important.
1: And something else that you said during your story is the benefit of experiencing the suffering that we experience here on earth, like the benefit of it. What, uh, do you want to go into, cause I've had this conversation with my clients and my, my tribe often, you know, what's the benefit of suffering? Cause as humans, we see the contrast that we experience as something to resist, to hate, to push away. And we don't understand that there's actually benefit in it. So when you met this being of light, and he had lived many lives in the human world and he had suffered
0: much. I don't even know if he was human, actually, but <laughs> keep going.
1: Oh, really? So I,
0: I, he, could have, he could have been human, but I don't know the type of physical life he lived. But anyway, continue. Oh, that's it's an important question.
1: Okay. That's interesting. So, oh, so he just led physical lives like in denser realities. It could have
0: been, it could have been human. It could have been human.
1: Ah, Interesting. Know. So, what do you see the benefit of uh, the suffering we go okay. through here on Earth?
0: So, it's not that suffering is required. That's that is not the way it is. Um, it's that contrast is a powerful tool, and that, that's an important distinction because what we're, so what we're doing is we're entering an experience of high constraint, not an experience of guaranteed pain. Pain happens, most of our suffering, I should say, happens. The differential physical pain is going to happen, but uh, here and there. But suffering, which is the vast majority, well, vast majority of our pain is our own (laughs) suffering about our context. That happens because of fear, which is our unevolved, our yet unevolvedness. Just means we have not yet fully integrated an experience of this level of contrast and constraint. So our own fear. Gives rise to ego and all the suffering that goes along with all the association with form and all the thinking. Okay, so I'm spe- I'm te- I'm saying it that way because I don't want to say the sentence suffering itself is good. That's not that's not an I don't think that's a, a great way to say that. However, suffering when it happens can be very useful for several reasons. One, suffering tends to be a rather efficient way to not just in the direction of the growth that is optimal for us. So if we're afraid of something and we resist it, we're gonna suffer a lot. And this is true in my own case. (laughs) I was very, I've known a lot of fear and fear is hell. Like you're afraid all the time. You don't even know why you're just miserable all the time. And everything, everything like everything in your life becomes uh, like a slave to trying to satiate and avoid this fear. That's not a, it's not a, it's a very painful way to live. So that type of suffering is actually like a huge signpost that is pointing you towards the fear that is the root of why you're in pain (laughs) so that it can be integrated and healed. And why is that valuable? Because if we can fully know that here and integrate that here, there's this expansion of being that takes place that is so profoundly powerful and awesome. Like like if source is, this is just a crude dualistic metaphor and we don't even, duality is not fundamental. (laughs) This is a metaphor. If source is here and you can go vibrationally this far away or maybe maybe this far away, maybe this far away, really far away. And if you can integrate this experience and actually fully come to terms with it and know it all the way, like fully know it, in your being like fully experience it fully be it then there's this huge growth of being all the way to here now which can which is the growth of because love and joy is what we are so this growth is an expansion of love and joy like lasting permanent forever love and joy and so the temporary experience of potential hardship is worth the you know worth it for the soul who wishes to to know experience, for the soul that wishes to integrate experience and integrate contrast is powerful. So I guess I mentioned two things there. One is that it points out where we have fear that can be useful to face. And the second is that contrast itself is is creative. Like if you, so here's an example, like let's say you live your whole life like in a cage. Maybe it's a literal cage, maybe it's a figurative cage. You live your whole life in the cage, and it sucks. (laughs) It's really painful. Then when you either in the life, when you fully come to terms with it and discover who you really are, or after the constraints are dropped and you return to who you really are already, in either case, now you know exactly what it's like to be in a cage, which means that you now fully know what it means to be free, the opposite of what you experience. So we, we come to experience opposites intentionally, not because we're masochistic, <laughs> but because they are very valuable to actually know. Um, Neil Donald Walsh tells a great story about this. And I'll, I'll paraphrase. It's like a the little light is in the big light. It's called the story of the light. And the little light says to the big light, oh my gosh, I am the light, I am the light. The big light says, you are the light. And the little light says, but what does it mean to be the light? And the big light says, if you wish to know, then I can show you and the little light is overjoyed. That's wonderful. How can you show me? How can I know? And, and the big light says, in order to know what it is to be the light, you must know temporarily darkness. You must know what it is to not be, to not be the light. Mm-hmm. And, you that must forget. So super, and that sounds so super exciting to the little light, but the big light says, but don't worry. You're always still the light. You'll always still be the light. And that is a metaphor for a very broad, crude metaphor, but a good metaphor, I think for the depth of contrast that we sometimes come to experience. I'm saying contrast rather than suffering, Mm. because it's not just, there is great suffering. Suffering is is one aspect of contrast. It's all aspects of contrast that are useful in this way, being cold (laughs) Mm. or hungry, (laughs) you know, whatever, like it's all useful.
1: You know, there's been many metaphors around this topic. Food never tasted better than when you're absolutely starving, hungry. Exactly. And, uh, I remember saying to a client once years ago, who was a real corporate sort of person, she came for a session. And I said, um, well, they gave me this metaphor I thought was perfect for her. It's like wearing stiletto shoes that are killing your feet all day. And the relief you feel when you come home and take them off.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then someone says, do you want to put those shoes back on? It's, it's, It's well in your right to say no
1: and yet you no, do now
0: i know what it's like to wear stiletto <laughs> shoes i'm not, i don't want to do that anymore.
1: exactly okay.
0: but now you know <laughs> forever
1: right yeah 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 the benefit of contrast uh look it can't be spoken about enough uh, It can't be spoken about enough I, I remember reading the conversation of god books when i was a young healer and and uh, putting myself out there as a, as a healer, as an energy healer, I'd been a studied naturopathy and I'd been a masseuse. And now I was starting to see all this stuff and doing all these courses and very unsure about it. Like so unsure about, am I making it up? Am I crazy? You know, just in this place of deep doubt. And I remember having this epiphany one day and thought, wow, if it wasn't for this doubt, I will never really understand that knowing that confidence and that Uh knowing because I'm experiencing this doubt, the, when I kind of finish with the, you know, playing with doubt, I'm really going to understand my, my deep knowing. Yeah. 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 Because of the doubt. All right. Okay. You said also that when you were playing with lives, as you were uh, reviewing what lives that you wanted to experience, you basically saw the life kind of completely made before you came into the life
0: no not completely made
1: not completely do you want to just explain that point are our physical I write down are our physical lives pre-made before we live them like but you it's almost like you looked at everything that was going to happen before you actually or could happen probable realities like infinite and then you said there were many infinite possibilities and probabilities millions
0: not infinite but millions and millions Mm -hmm. okay okay so first of all there is free will and novelty does happen in the physical which means choices can be made that were not anticipated and so outcomes can happen that are oh wow we didn't see that we didn't think that was gonna, that's, now it's exciting now we gotta deal with that <laughs> that happens okay so but from that side what you can see is the full context and what do i mean by context like The all, like, because the the system knows everything about the play. (laughs) It's all known, like every prop, every everything, every player, it's all known. The only thing that's not known is the free will choice making that will occur with all the players. And that's a big unknown. Now, the system knows everybody really, really well. (laughs) So it's pretty darn good at knowing, guessing how things will very likely unfold. But it it is a probabilistic reality, not a, not a set in stone before, not pre-scripted reality. Now, we do set up certain things for ourselves that may be very likely to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm careful to say very, very likely and not 100% certain. Uh, sometimes it's very close to 100%. But if we try, if we want to engage something specific, often we can arrange it. So it's very likely that we will be able to experience what we want. For instance, the trauma that I experienced when I was 22 in Chengdu, China, <laughs> you know, I was 22 years old when that happened, but it happened. Um, though, interestingly, in my pre-birth experience, I did not see, I reviewed my life, even in terms of numerical ages. I remember like going through it in numbers, like very, like very, uh, almost intellectually thoughtfully you know very detailed and knowing that it was somewhere in my early 20s not necessarily 22 but somewhere around there where where the energies would work out such that i would likely be deeply traumatized (laughs) and that it would basically kick me into a spot where i was i had never been before like i was like it was the same fear but it was like a like a new trajectory down a certain uh vibration that I would have to deal with. Uh, anyway, so, um, so it's probabilistic. And the review of the millions and millions of things was what is likely to happen or less likely to happen, depending on what I choose and what everybody else chooses. And also, there are these energetic themes that are running through both our individual lives and also the collective as a whole. So humanity goes through, like the play has certain acts, you could say. So, and the system knows that. So there's a lot of energy, so to speak, not physical energy, but like thought energy, momentum that is built up in the content of these uh, great eras or acts that we are experiencing. And that is a part of what is playing out. So, and the system knows that too. So, um, yeah, I I think that's the best way I can summarize that.
1: Would you call the probable realities different timelines
0: i personally would not um i like the tom campbell the physicist and consciousness explorer i'm a huge fan of tom i like his model where he, where he describes a database that's what we call the cache of records <laughs> commonly a database where there are billions upon billions of unactualized outcomes that are stored and there's one actualized thread for what is actually happened and what and because the database is so rich with all the data you know like that means all this everything all this all the sense data all the everything it can be gone and experienced firsthand if if someone is capable of doing that and and when you review it firsthand it's very real it's like going there in person and so i think that i personally feel that the idea of all like infinite timelines is maybe because i don't know for certain but it may be because people are engaging the akashic records and saying they're super real everything looks exactly real fully fleshed out even things that never actually happened and they think that might be an alternate living reality but i think it's more like a stored for the purposes of uh, learning
1: so why i ask that question is i've spoken with many people who um but both in childhood and in their adult life have been contacted by and angelics or extraterrestrials where um usually in their childhood where they were shown probable realities of earth right mm-hmm. and then given a message like if you guys you, you've got to fix your world because you're going down this <laughs> trajectory you know you get there's mass destruction in your future and chaos but it can be uh you can change that by changing the way you're living your lives so and so they've shown sort of different probable realities, different timelines. Yeah. So, what do you want to say about that?
0: Well, that's that's what I just described. Basically, is that there are these branches, and the choices that we make influence what branches actualize. So we all individually are doing that, and then every individual is a part of the collective.
1: Collectively doing that. So doing so that's,
0: doing that. that. So right. that's very much what I was describing in my pre-birth experience. It was a probabilistic flowchart of all you know what was seen that would probably happen right so that i would know what it would be like to be me and so that i would see the opportunities i knew that past my mid-20s i would be entering a uh this is hard to explain okay so imagine like this isn't directly your question but it's just a pertinent point um this is just a, a silly metaphor but if you imagine that where you start is at home base in the middle like a campground or something, you're at, you're at camp, you go back to home base. <laughs> and then every time you journey out, you go so far in a certain direction, like, well, maybe I'll do it like circular like this, you know? like maybe you go in a different direction. And this life, you might go really far out this way. And this life, you only, might only go a little bit this way. And this life, well, it, this life, I was going very, 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 very far in one direction, like way past my previous furthest stake. <laughs> like if there was a stake in the ground, how far I'd gone. I was going to like go 20 miles past that one. And because it was so far in that direction, I knew that it would be incredibly difficult (laughs) for me. Um, Yeah. But anyway, so I knew that there were were sort of, so back to your original point, reviewing, that was a primary aspect of my life. Like it was extremely likely that I would go down that kind of trajectory because that's exactly what I wanted to do. Um, How that played out, well... I mean, here, here I am. It played out in a way that I don't know how it played out in comparison to the original review. I don't, I don't have full access to it, but, um, but we're all doing something like that. We're all nudging the probabilities all the time, not just with our choices and our thoughts, but with our intent. Our very expectation actually is constantly nudging how things will unfold. And we're very powerful, creative beings. Consciousness is first. The physical is subsequent to consciousness. So what goes on in our own minds and hearts is actually very important. <laughs> that's, why, that's why shows like this and spending time like this where we're engaging new ideas and, and where we're trying to basically realize and feel again that deep love that actually is real mm. and actually exists for us. When we do that, when we touch into that, it's actually part of the solution. <laughs> it doesn't, you may not see an, immi- an immediate physical effect, but just that resonance, just the resonance between individuals focusing on that love. Or facing their own fear or getting or getting past ignorance that's some kind of ignorance that's held them up their whole life some some how our own journeys that happen internally that is a part of the ultimate way to heal our world ultimate solution consciousness is first yeah the physical stuff will happen second
1: (laughs) god i've got so many things going through my mind as i'm listening to you talk christian um i'm just thinking about my daughter and as a parent have you got children
0: do i have two children
1: how old are they
0: right now they are 12 and 10.
1: so they're little there was some uh parts where my daughter she's 30 now was going through some really dark nights of the soul really trauma and you know the trauma that she was going through she was doing to herself Um, but she was in a really bad place and i was kept reaching out to my guides what can i do to help what can i do to help and they said she's choosing to go through this this is part of her experience and she's learning from it and don't try and fix her don't try and save her just remind her that you're there for her if she needs you and it was the hardest thing to watch as a parent to watch you know your child suffering but at the same time you know as she's as she's come through it she's so much better for it so much wiser so much yeah so much more fearless and just just wiser for the experiences and um, yeah so I kind of feel like
0: it's the Mm. the ego that, that, uh, denounces and rejects, you know, if there's some experience, I, I, and I, I don't say that lightly because I know there's a lot of very, very extreme suffering happening in the world. Right. I know that like I I can't imagine as an example, losing one of my children Right. and there are people who lose their children. And then I, I can't possibly know how do you come to terms with that?
1: Yeah.
0: But I, but still, Yeah. If we are rejecting reality, it is of ego, it's of fear. Yeah. And uh, so it's very important that we learn to meet reality exactly as it is and fully feel it and accept it. And, and when I say feel it, I mean like everything you actually feel, feel. <laughs> if you're mad, you're mad. If you're sad, you're sad. Feel it all, and, but the feeling, not just the story. It's too easy to get wrapped up in story, 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 story. I'm talking about find out what, whatever, however reality is arriving to you, look at it with open eyes, be willing yeah. to feel it and know it, even if it feels hard at the moment. If we do that, those hardships that seem so terrible, those dark nights of the soul, we can very much expedite. <laughs> um, not that we're trying to get past them because you can't have the mindset, I'm going to, I don't like this. So what do I do to fix it? Oh, I'll open myself up to it. That's not the, that's not the mindset I'm talking about. I'm talking about being completely willing to honor and feel it no matter what it is, whatever your life situation is, being accepting of it and when you do that whatever it came to teach teach you so to speak whatever it came whatever um whatever vibration it's offering you much more easily is integrated in process and processed and experienced when you let yourself experience it right without yeah. fear like you don't have to be afraid yeah there is nothing there is nothing that we need to be afraid of
1: afraid of <laughs> Spirit keeps agreeing i get i hear these little sort of like it's almost like someone clapping there's they sound like sort of computer, computer glitches but they're like every time you say something really poignant the spirit goes yeah good one <laughs> it's like a high five <laughs> you know i have a friend beautiful friend who's older than me and she has adult children and one of her and they're such beautiful beautiful children just beautiful looking amazing children they actually live in the states and she's australian married american anyway she had a she has a son i had a son has a son he uh, went off and just going through his mental trauma mental trauma i don't know how to and yeah. he became homeless at one stage and he wouldn't contact his and anyway she was desperate you know desperate and kept asking me you know what can i do what, what do your guides say what do your guides say and the guides kept saying he'll be okay he'll be okay he's He's exploring contrast. He's he's choosing this. He's wanting this. He's really choosing this. But as a mother, it was hard to tell her that. She yeah. just couldn't. I need to find him. I need to rescue him. And I, and the guide said, you know, he'll come back. He did come back. And when he did come back into the family, he only stayed for a short period of time to reconnect with them all. And then he left. Then he left his body. And it's um, devastating for the family. But it's really how do you. How do you honor that? You know, how do you honor his decisions? Yeah. I think that yeah it yeah. takes an enlightened soul. This conversation, you know, really helps people see, see, like honor that life existence because that was the soul was benefiting hugely from that life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that can be really difficult for us and for our, our egos, like you said, to be okay with that. But like you said, just being there for them, like just being present and being a loving a loving, um, like fully accepting place for them to come to, if they wish or whatever, just being there is really powerful. Like just, just, just love, just love. Any amount of love is, is like a fuel to help someone deal with their own stuff. You know, acceptance is like the most, it's all acceptance is like a shelter in which someone can do what they need to do and deal with what they need to deal with. And then of course we judge, oh, that looks so terrible it can be hard to honor what the real them is doing <laughs> right i'm not making light of it i'm really not like i i understand it's very difficult but like the the being that they are does live on as I, I love how you reference just leaving the body and they're not it's not like they die I, I, i'm sensitive to words like oh they died and we're going to bury them in the ground no <laughs> burying them in the ground um, so, so anyway so it's if we can honor that part of them that continues on that's that's powerful
1: yeah.
0: Because that but, relationship isn't lost either. Like the that, physical maybe the physical right. may be done for a while. Right. But and the, the love is what we are. So those loving relationships endure and, right. and and flourish even and can be enjoyed further.
1: And when I speak with her, because she's not always in Australia, so I don't speak with her that often, I always say, How is he? Have you heard from him lately, like as if <laughs> yeah. as if he's still here and she says, you know, oh, I've had some dreams of him. But she says more than anything, the grandchildren Or speak to him all the time, like they see him around wow. all the time. Uncle Shahi, there he is, you know, like they've got.
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> so just to know that just because he's left his body, it doesn't mean he's left the family. Um, I think that there was more of a absence when he was in his physical body and he had left the family than than the absence of him leaving his physical body. He's still with the family, very present with the family. Okay, we could talk about this forever too. I'm going to move on. The place where you go to practice forgetting. Now, this was just fabulous. The place where you go to practice forgetting. I was speaking to some uh, names, people in South Africa, and his name will come back to me in a minute, who channels the archangels. And I was quizzing one of the archangels through him about the astral worlds. And he was speaking about, I said, when we experience karma, can we work out our karma on a, like a denser physical type astral world? And he said, no. And I said, well, what happens there? And he said, well, you can kind of practice on those worlds, what it's like being human. It's kind of like a dress rehearsal. And so your story very much speaks to what he was talking about that place where you can practice forgetting
0: yeah no it's it is like that it's i I, uh resonate with what you said about a place on the astral where you can experience a a physical like you know it's physical but it's not it doesn't have the same constraints as being fully veiled and being fully human but what i described was not that it was a veil acceptance specifically it was about practicing veil acceptance (laughs) um i don't think i can describe it more than i have but it's um that was like an exercise in surrender, an exercise. Like there's a, like a lot of us have a fear of surrender, a fear of lack of control. And that was the energy of what this place was. It was, it was having something come over you. Like it's almost scary. Uh, And then can you let go to it? Uh, You know, metaphorically, can you let the shark eat you? I mean, it's not like that. I just mean, that's like just an earth metaphor, something scary arrives. And this was like, it was a plummet of vibration. And now you're dark. Oh, and it feels scary. You feel fear rise, fear rises up. And then how, how do you meet it? And it was practicing the ability of letting go and, you know, being fearless and accepting of it.
1: How do you think the veil is created? Like, how do you apply the veil did you, did you get more insight um, it's a it's a question that i've asked my guides many times they said it's involved with the dna of the physical body and that you can program the dna as to you know how you were talking about the technicians were sort yeah. of like fitting it and sort of and it was specific yeah. to each person i've asked them this question often so listening to your story it's like ooh, a bit more of the puzzle piece of the answers to my questions like how does the how did how do you make people forget? How do can you make this incredible? So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So first of all, the veil is. I'll leave your first of all. Leave the DNA thing aside for a second, because the physical is a different layer. Um, okay, so consciousness preexists, and the veil is kind of like a consciousness technology. Um, it's like a way in which you can really have a certain perspective, so that you can grow through it. Okay, so how can that possibly work? Well, there is no way for the soul to be bound against its will because the soul is sovereign. It's a part of source. (laughs) There's no greater authority. There's not like, you know, it's not like here on earth where somebody can throw you in a cage or something and you can't do anything about it. No, you are powerful. You are a sovereign, free-willed being. So in order to be veiled, the only way to be veiled is to allow yourself to, to surrender your own self to it and then that i call it a technology because i don't know what other word could possibly uh, speak to this but it's like a technology that has developed even i can say over time <laughs> the universe is not the first one where a veil has been used um and they these technicians do the thing then so when so you, so they're like the um the, um, mechanics or the appliers of this veil technology. They're like super, super good at it. And so I don't know what DNA might have to do with it, but I do know that with the meeting of the body and the circumstances with the spirit and they, they made it all fit. Maybe there's some kind of physical effect on DNA. You know, I'd be postulating.
1: Well, all physical structure is first created in a subtler structure. So there are subtle yes. energy forms of the DNA. So there's like spiritual DNA, if you like, some yeah. people have called it spiritual DNA where you're designing energetically, you yeah. know, what you'll experience physically. And then that, you know, creates the physical, what, what we look down a microscope and call physical DNA. Um, yeah. So it's all sort of connected. Like this, just layers, different layers of the one energy. Physical is just another layer of energy. Yeah, physical
0: is a surface layer. Yeah. You know, like of course you get one gene from each of your parents in each of the you know DNA segments, and I I, there it's not. I don't think it's a uh, very helpful to try to correlate that directly with. But I agree that there is a like a programming or something like a, a a mating might be a better word of the spirit with the physical. Uh, in a way that facilitates its success and so your your soul and like the qualities that you are very much do influence the physical and shine through the physical and the physical of course is a part of you now and it influences what you're experience of course um, so like if a different soul was to use this body it would not have it wouldn't be the same uh, but I don't, I don't know though. I mean, I, I didn't review anything about that. I didn't, I don't, I don't have any memory of like multiple beings reviewing one, one body. I do know that this body, <laughs> this sounds kind of funny, but I do know, remember, I do remember knowing that this body had a certain limitation that other bodies don't. And because of it, other, I knew that other beings would just likely pass it up. They wouldn't, they would not prefer to be this human. <laughs> because because it would make the day-to-day experience hard the
1: human that you that you are today yeah
0: this body this body right here
1: (laughs) (laughs) you thought that other beings so was there an option for other beings to
0: well that's um... what i'm saying i don't i don't know but i know because of that memory i suspect that it could be used by others but the thing is that every opportunity okay the guides are really good at looking at all the opportunities, you know, all the avatar slots or something, you know, that (laughs) sounds silly, but it's true. Look at all the opportunities and then they can feel, there's an incredible energetic evaluation. It's almost like they can review beforehand a lot and then review you and your intentions and they know how to fit it all. And they're like, oh, that might actually work. That might, hmm, that's interesting. It's hard, you know, and, and as for difficulty, you know, sometimes they, you know, guides might even have different ways to guide you, but in general, um, you know, they try to help you not bite off more than you can chew. Cause usually it's us who want to bite off even more because we know how much expansion is possible, <laughs> possible, but they, so they usually try to, uh, guide you into a way that is, um, helpful, like the most helpful for you that, that, that they can be and to optimize your chances for success.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, we've been going for over an hour. There's so much to your story. What else did I write down that I wanted to talk to you about? Beings who've mastered or graduated life in the human experience universe are like gods in other systems, I heard you say. I loved that. That was fabulous. So when you do come to Earth and have um, difficult lives or lives of contrast and you master that or graduate, you're kind of like, you're like a God in another system, like a more highly evolved system that doesn't have as, as much extreme contrast. You're like the ascended masters in other worlds, right? When you've kind of graduated yeah, the, earth that, school.
0: That, those were the, that was the uh, language of Bob Monroe that I borrowed there. Um, oh, okay. He described a graduate of the physical universe as being like a God in another thought responsive system. Well, if you, if you imagine, okay, so we are consciousness. And so as we, refine the quality of what we are and that means as we integrate experience and master our all the aspects of being conquer you know overcome fear and learn how to express love in rich ways real genuine ways as we improve the this is an important term that i another tom campbell term but as we improve the the quality of our intent that's like that's like the key the key of all of this is the quality of our intent based in love or fear As we learn to do that, then that means when we are now applying ourselves into a reality system that is far less constraining, because we've been able to wield, uh, you know, a certain intent here and in these contexts and come to terms with certain very, very, very dense experiences, then when we are in those less constraining environments, what we can do by comparison is extreme.
1: I also heard you quote Seth, one of my favourites, one of the first books i ever read. Physical life is like a bright light that you just can't look away from, but you can. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's apply this knowledge to what we're going through on Earth at the moment. You know, my guides were saying through me the other day that what's happening on planet Earth with the control drama and the, you know, the deadly virus and all this sort of stuff, it's not creating fear it's revealing fear yeah. they were saying that if you're scared of spiders and somebody shows you a spider your fear will be revealed but if you're not scared of spiders and somebody comes to you with a great big tarantula you'll say oh let me pet it you know like the fear isn't exactly. there if you're so what's happening in our earth on our earth so there's a sort of roll out of the the propaganda of this virus it's going to kill you and so there's fear arises because you don't want your fear of getting sick or fear of dying and then there's a new fear that's arising as they're mandating you know this certain allopathic treatment that those who don't choose it there's there's huge fear in the community that they will be outcast they will be um you know there's just so much fear arising so how well, do those we... are
0: those are all surface contexts not not fear itself like you like you pointed out Fear of spiders isn't the spider, isn't the fear. (laughs) Our fear gets prompted and fear just means the, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just, I'm, I'm sensitive to calling those things fear. They are a neutral context, just like everything else in our world. We apply the meaning.
1: So what do you mean? It's a neutral context. So if you're scared of, if you're fearful of spiders, that's not fear.
0: So, so no, so, so a spider is neutral. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily prompt fear, but if you're afraid of it, you will, you will respond in fear as you pointed out. (laughs) Um, so I'm just saying that the, you know, the coronavirus situation is just an element of our context, just like every other element in a world that's had drug abuse and heart attacks and, you know, and, and beautiful sunsets and, all the things that exist in our world—it's all—it's all a context of form, and the form itself is not fundamentally charged. We apply the meaning to it. We respond right. in love or fear, and we buy into meaning about those things. So I'm just—I'm just highlighting that because I—I—I I, I, I think it's important to not immediately associate some specific context with—with with it being fear. You know, that's not. Uh, there, there's no. Like an evol- a very evolved being will respond even to great challenges without fear.
1: Say that again. A very evolved, a very being,
0: evolved being will respond. respond to very great challenges without fear. Right. With love. And, right. and it's okay that the context is whatever it is. Right. <laughs> it just, like
1: ba- Myron and Katie, who I feel like is like one of the most evolved people on planet Earth, you know, she... Um, she doesn't suffer anymore because she doesn't believe her stressful thoughts so when context happens as you call it she gets cancer she goes wow i haven't had cancer before this will be interesting she goes blind oh i've never been blind before this is going to be a fun ride so she responds to the context without fear like yeah. it's another adventure another human adventure i'm having here on earth <laughs> instead yeah. of going into panic and worry and fear and dread yeah
0: yeah and I, i'm not saying that's easy by any means i mean i i have a lot of fear i've experienced fear Commonly, that's what I'm here to deal with, <laughs> but I'm just pointing out that that it's that's a very powerful realization because the the power is in you, <laughs> you, know, you know. We don't what? have to assign our power to the context. Oh, but, there's this coronavirus, you know. As it's scary. I'm thinking,
1: <laughs> as I'm watching life unfold on planet Earth at the moment, and I'm thinking about our, our authority systems, you know, the police, for instance, which is an authority system, we use fear to make humans do stuff so let's just look at what's currently happening in sydney australia at the moment we are in lockdown we cannot exist we cannot go five kilometers away from our home and if we do we get um, put in jail or a five thousand dollar fine so then people are obeying these rules because they're fearful of having a $5,000 fine or being put in jail. So they're actually using fear.
0: They're they're obeying the rules. They could be obeying the rules out of fear, or they could be obeying the rules out of peace and love.
1: Well, you could. I'm just thinking about my experience. Like my daughter's just arrived back. I,
0: I just mean all of it. I'm just trying to (laughs) I'm just trying to say that well I'm
1: thinking about my experience my daughter's just arrived back from being on a boat for five months sailing the coast and uh, up and down the east coast of Australia and she's just arrived back and she's more than five kilometers away from me and so if I go to pick her up I'm going to be breaking the law so to speak (laughs) and then I'm thinking I could be thrown in jail for that will I do it actually I'm a fearless person and I also know that I can kind of fly under the radar, that I could do that and no police is going to, like, if you're not too focused on what can happen, it doesn't happen. (laughs) But it's just, it's just there in my face at the moment, in all our faces, as we go through what's going on planet Earth. So So it's an opportunity. I'm
0: just just highlighting, I I don't make light of that. I'm just highlighting that the fact that you will will get a $5,000 fine if you get caught more than five kilometers from your house is just an aspect of Of uh, context right now, right? It doesn't automatically. It's not negative until until you decide it's negative.
1: Until you decide it's negative, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Or being thrown. And and
0: then when we, but when we look at that and we go, oh, that's I don't like that, you know. And then we, and then our ego rises up. Then we're part of the problem (laughs) because, like you know, we like to blame the authority structures. Well, the, the authority structures are just other people you know, lots of other people making choices based in systems that have developed over hundreds and thousands of years, but we're a very young species, a very immature species. And like like we already talked about, our leadership is not necessarily the most evolved and loving all the time. So you've got a very imperfect system and that's just, you know, that's just how it is right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be, um, like we don't need to assign our power to this great, uh, like, I'm generally someone who is, um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist in general, <laughs> just like as of my personality type. I, f- I feel that in general, we there are a lot of people in the world who are doing either their best or, or they're overcome, you know, by their own fear and their own challenges. And there's 7 billion of us doing that. And that's yeah. what's happening. <laughs> you got lots of, it's a very constraining system where we feel very separate from each other. So... That means we're going to make all sorts of contexts that are potentially challenging for one another
1: yeah we're going to treat
0: each other poorly even if we don't mean to
1: (laughs) right because if i i think i think of that often as i as i look at our politicians um you know create more and more restrictions and lockdowns and um laws and i just see like i said to my neighbor if you look into the eyes of our premier who's a woman Um, even before any of this stuff happened all I could see was huge amounts of fear in her eyes like I said I can't look at that woman all I can see is fear in her eyes how she rose to a a place of power in politics I never know she's obviously very intelligent and now she's placed in a position where she is on television every day telling uh, Australians what they can and can't do and um the poor love. I actually feel really sorry for her. So a lot of people are calling her the devil and, you know, they're demonizing this poor woman, but she's just someone living inside a lot of fear with a lot of responsibility on her shoulders. Yeah.
0: So when, when the journey is over, you might query the, or, or even not, or even before the journey's over, <laughs> query the database. I'm just pointing out that it's not, uh, it's not just that uh, there's always a, We're always applying interpretation, so it's possible that some of our leaders—and I think in many cases it's true—that many of our leaders are just trying to do their best to, you know, limit the the destruction of COVID nineteen. It's not about limiting freedom, but freedom may. So then there's a choice.
1: (laughs) Well, they're yeah, they're doing their best because they're believing the narrative, Uh, and if you believe a story, then you do your best to try and overcome it. But if you don't believe a story, then I have a. I can't say a friend, she was an acquaintance. She was a, um, a healer and she was a homeopath and a naturopath. And she used to avoid all toxin. Like you couldn't offer her a cup of coffee or any food that was made with, um, not organic food. Like she avoided toxin her whole life. She was very strict about her health regime. And she taught that. And then she got cancer. Right. And I remember speaking to her and her husband, who was a filmmaker about her journey and nothing that she applied to her own health helped her with her cancer. And so she went to have chemotherapy. And she said the irony of sticking my arm out willingly to get an injection of a cocktail of poison in the name of health, when I've tried to avoid poison all my life, you know, the irony in that she did end up leaving her body, but she got she got the lesson in all of this, that it's not what we avoid, you know, what we resist, that that kind of makes us healthy it's what we embrace really it's how we love and what we embrace and she was talking about being in the clinic and them offering her a cup of coffee and a friend had said to her oh you wouldn't have drunk the coffee and she said a cup of coffee offered with love is so much more healthy than avoiding you know the coffee you know what i mean just that she got the lesson yeah she got the lesson it was really interesting but she believed that the poison that life was poisonous and that that would make you sick she believed that story and yeah. so she lived her life according to that so if we believe a story call it conspiracy theory or not cons- if you believe a story that you're in danger that you're going to act according yeah.
0: to yeah yeah our to- whole our whole uh, human uh, our whole human experience well not the whole human experience that i'll say that the vast majority of humans experience a deep story a story, you know, story like the like the life on earth is a story
1: mm-hmm. right and
0: the story is really paramount to what's happening because whatever you end up believing about yourself and about the world is how you is what the world will appear back to you and what you will end up creating <laughs> <laughs> both so our stories are super important and powerful
1: yeah it's all of it isn't it and love is the power Oh, darling, we've well, been talking for almost an hour and a half. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave with us before we finish this conversation? So many more things we could say, but no. I, hope, I hope that this really unpacks what life, uh, before life and life is all about <laughs> for people I'll just, listening. I'll just
0: make one. I can't possibly unpack all of it. <laughs> no, no no, individual can, but just one comment to anybody who is listening please be reminded today that you are so deeply, deeply, deeply loved. You are so precious and so loved and you are seen and known and understood right now. (laughs) You may not be able to feel it all the time because that's part of the human experience. But to that, I want to just remind you, you're not human. (laughs) You're having the experience of being human. You're the you that feels like you to you. You're your soul. You're, you are, You're you knowing what it's like to be a human, there's an important difference there. So it's okay to not get so wrapped up in the story, you know, the context, all these things of what's happening in the world, what's happening to me. We can we can put that aside and deeply experience what how reality is arriving to us and know that we are not just the story, we're not just the human. So I hope that that's helpful because, um, there, I mean, when you know that, you know, there's nothing to fear. <laughs> so please be reminded of that too. There's, there's nothing to fear in, in this life.
1: There's nothing to fear in this life. Beautiful. You know, I had uh, Michael Tamora as our guest teacher in the Inner Sanctum at the beginning of the year, and I, I asked him the same question. I said, everyone's talking about what's going on in the world, and you and Raphael, his wife, do a radio show every week, and you don't mention it once. Why don't you mention it? And he goes... It's just more of the contrast of life isn't it it's like it's just what we come to experience here on earth it's the contrast it's like that's what happens people get sick people suffer it's just more of the same there's no reason to really speak about it and mention it because uh yeah we can transcend anything that's happening on earth when we remember
0: we can transcend even being limited within five kilometers of our home (laughs) or whatever other
1: other i have to say um as i thought about getting in the car and driving i i wasn't too worried about it but it it was a thought you know i'm not supposed to do that um i could be pulled up by the police i could get thrown in jail oh well that happens i would i would do it anyway like i would do it anyway if they want to put me in jail for going and picking up my daughter then let that happen yeah i would do it any i wouldn't let fear stop me fear rarely stops me (laughs) I think I've transcended a lot of fears in this lifetime. Few to go. Thank you, you, gorgeous. Thank you for
0: the opportunity, Karen. I really appreciate it.
1: What a beautiful conversation with Christian. Wasn't that gorgeous? I was just having a big chat with him about... um, about having somewhere where people can go to engage with him on his Facebook or YouTube. I noticed last night when I was researching him that he has a YouTube channel, his name, but nothing's on there. And I said, start doing some stuff, doing some lives and, and uh, getting people to ask questions. So maybe you want to e- engage with him and um, follow him on his YouTube channel. Because the only way you can engage with him at the moment is read his book or uh, send him an email. So the book, if you look, is uh, he's actually provided it free uh, on Google Books on his his website. Obviously, if you want the physical book, you have to pay for it on Amazon, but he's actually provided a link on his website to get the book for free to read it on Google Books. Uh, I was trying, I did that last night, um, but I like to get my computer to read me the book so I can multitask. But you can't do that on Google Books. You have to actually sit there and read it drats like if they send me a pdf then i just get the computer to read it to me so i can wash the dishes and do what i need to do yeah a beautiful conversation i hope you got a lot out of that conversation we touched on some um, interesting parts but uh, basically if you are less engaged with this reality being your truth you can actually witness it from love and understanding, even the huge contrast that we're experiencing now at the moment. And I got this long email from someone this morning who's been seeing the control that's been rolled out, and she's just in dread and fear. But dread and fear doesn't exist when you're, as Paul Selick says, when you live in the upper room. And living in the upper room just means in contact with your soul, in contact with that part of you that is eternal, that's the spirit, the spirit of you, the soul of you, the higher self and you understand that no matter what happens in this world you are not what happens in this world you are experiencing it for the benefit of the contrast and how is it serving you how is what is happening in this world serving you how is knowing that you could get sick and die serve you interesting isn't it if you think i can get sick and die then you start to appreciate the moments that you're not sick like you start to appreciate the now more there's huge benefits to the contrast we experience and uh, yes, it would be good if we don't experience as much fear in this world. That's what we're all here to do as light weavers, to lessen the, the, the fear that we're all living under and to move from fear to love. But as you move out of your fear and into love, into, your, into an intimate relationship with your soul, your inner truth, your inner being, the part of you that knows, the part of you that doesn't fear then you are a huge benefit to this world. As you start to emanate love, then that love wakes up other people to the love inside them and that they don't have to be fearful either. Whether you're scared of being ostracized because you're making different choices, fear creates separation and love unifies. So stay loving. (laughs) Love is the power. Love is the power. Love is the power. And Christian's story is really um, a beautiful example of how love is the power. All right, I'm not going to chat too much more. My daughter's coming home after, after um, she doesn't live with me, but she's coming here after being months and months and months out to sea on an expedition. If you want to follow them, follow the Barefoot Captain on uh, Instagram, and she's Nunu Fis on Instagram, and she posts all her beautiful photographs of her underwater adventures, above water and her sailing adventures, Nunu Fis. And how does she spell it anyway i'll put the links underneath and the barefoot captain is the boat that she's on barefoot captain dean the barefoot on the barefoot so they've just arrived back from 110 days out at sea and uh, she's coming he said. so i'm gonna go and, <laughs> and squeeze my daughter for the first time in months and months and remember to uh, who's coming up in the inner sanctum i'm not sure go to the website check it out i'm not sure who's coming up this month let me just check the calendar Uh, but I'm online every week and if you haven't checked out the book *Awakened by Death uh, please do so (laughs) big love to all of you bye for now